Biden and his son are stone cold crooked. And you know it. His son walks out with millions of dollars. The kid knows nothing. You know it, and so do we. Go ahead, ask a question. The, the question, sir, was what did you want President Zelensky to do about Pre Vice President Biden and his son, Hunter? Are you talking to me? Yeah, it was just a follow-up of what I just asked listen, you, sir. Listen, are you ready? We have the President of Finland. Ask him a question. I have one for him. I just wanted to follow up on the one that I asked you, which did was you hear what me? did you want Did you hear me? Yes, ask sir. him a question. Mr. President, can you just make clear? The following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. Mm. Uh, Those are some powerful herbs. Giving me dark visions. Shall we pack this again? I, I'm not getting visions. I'm not sure if it's working, is it? Thaddeus, are you seeing what I'm seeing? You making a fool of yourself. I think Jacko's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you. Hold on one second here. The Jacko. And we're finally live. Welcome, everybody, to Inside the Jackal's Head, back on PSN Radio, October 13th, 2019. Tonight, we have a heck of a show lined up for you. We have Joe Roop on the second hour of the show, and uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, his own podcast. Great show. You guys are going to love uh, you know, the hour we're going to spend with him on the second hour, as usual, when we take our guests. Uh, but uh, I wanted to uh, welcome everybody listening in right now on PSN-Radio.com and, of course, streaming live on AngelEspino.com. And uh, for all those listening in, the first hour is going to be covered with politics. Got a bunch of audio that I wanted to play tonight and, uh, you know, really good stuff. Uh, we have a lot to go over. And, uh, I, you know, there's a, a couple of things that's been happening this week. Maxine Waters came out uh, in her hypocritical ways saying that she's getting death threats. Oh, my. We're going to cover that. Uh, geologists uh, just came out recently, and uh, guess what, guys? They're saying that uh, young lady Greta and uh, AOC and uh, this uh, one particular geologist is saying it's all a pack of lies, uh, this global warming stuff. And I have, an, and I have a really uh, interesting audio of an actual global warming expert. Not some 16-year-old uh, uh, girl or 11-year-old girl or however she is. And I'm talking about AOC, by the way, mentally. She's like, what, 12, 13? Uh, but her and Greta... Uh, you know, they're, they're so uninformed, but it has, the following is so huge that people believe the nonsense. But I got that, I got, a, like I said, a bunch of stuff to go over, and I got some written news, uh, to go over. Also, I also do have, uh, something non-political that I wanted to cover just because it's, uh, really cool. And I'm gonna address you to go over to my website again. A-N-G-E-L-E-S-P-I-N-L. Dot com. That's uh, my name, angelespino.com. For those of you listening in for the first time on podcast, welcome. 
The uh, show is uh, scheduled to be dropped off on SoundCloud as soon as it's done here. Within the next couple hours, it'll be uh, for free, by the way. I don't have a paid subscription or anything like that for those listening who want to download it later. It's all free. You can check it out right through the website in angelspino.com. It'll link you directly. If you go there now, you'll see a bunch of stuff on there. And uh, it's an ever-growing website. And um, I urge everybody to start listening from now on because the it's you know the guests are, are wonderful. And I had a, a fantastic guest last week, by the way. Both hours. Uh, I'm really uh, proud of the show that I did last week with uh, Paul Dale Roberts in hour number one and Mindy Indian hour number two. She was really, really cool. And it's one of the first um, interviews I think she's done on podcast. Not only that, uh, I, I think her Kickstarter did pretty well. So congratulations to her and uh, for her uh, future success. Saying that. Now I'm going to move on to a little... Uh, News that came on uh, directly out of Fox. As you know, Fox News has been, uh, but for the most part, they've been pro uh, POTUS 45, right? Yeah, pro Trump. Uh, for the most part, not entirely. There's been uh, a couple of, uh, I, I want to say, jokers out there, but I don't know if that's too soon considering the movie is in theaters now, but there's one particular uh, member of uh, the Fox News who's been there for a very long time, and he has been very outspoken against our president, and uh, his name is Shepard Smith, and he just quit Fox News. Now, there's a a big uh, debate going on whether he quit or whether he was pushed out. That's the uh, question being raised, uh, and this is, I'm quoting directly from, from him, he says, uh, recently I asked the company to allow me to leave Fox News and begin a new chapter after requesting that I stay the uh, graciously obliged, uh, the opportunities afforded uh, in uh, this small town of Mississippi, to this uh, small town guy from Mississippi, I misrugged it, sorry, uh, have been many, he said. And uh, Smith uh, said that in a statement, and uh, in, uh, in, I say good riddance. I mean, the guy's been nothing but trouble uh, for the president, and uh, he said he it's been an honor and a, and a privilege to report the news each day to our loyal audience in context with perspective without fear or favor. I've worked with the most talented, dedicated, and focused professionals I know, and I'm proud to have anchored their work each day. I will deeply miss them. Now, Smith was among uh, Fox's first hirees uh, upon uh, the launch of the network. With uh, That was back in 1996. Man, it's been a long time. Uh, he became the network's signature daytime newsman, often acting as the, uh, the anchor to enter our other broadcast to helm uh, coverage of breaking news and stuff like that. And uh, he also was quoted as saying that even in our current polarized nation, it's my hope that the facts will win the day. And that's an interesting quote because the facts will win the day. And I say that because I do believe in 2020 Trump will be reelected based on facts. And I'm going to play some audio which uh, 
that has something to do with uh, the shepherd stepping down, even though I, I say uh, good riddance because, you know, when we talk about, when we say facts, you know, there's always a point of view to everybody's opinion or everybody's uh, thought of what a fact is. You know, your fact might not be exactly like my fact. My fact might be different from your fact. Yada, yada, yada. But uh, this guy is so biased, and he's like one of the few guys on Fox that has been really like anti-Trump from day one, uh, to the point that he reports nothing but anti-Trump stuff. So you know, you want to report facts? Why doesn't he report? Why didn't he report more on like the Ukraine uh, scandal, which we're going to get to a, a couple audio clips. In fact, we want to play it before the show started on uh, and, and why I love Trump so much because he, he doesn't care. You know, he just went at this uh, reporter, and uh, he, you know, he's been really animated recently, uh, talking about you know the corruption that's been taking place, uh, and it's not even him doing it, which is the crazy part. You have uh, nasty Nancy on one end. Uh, you know, she's been trying to impeach him from like the day before he was even elected, and I'm not even kidding. If you YouTube it, I don't have to like actually uh, show you. Just uh, simply YouTube. Uh, you can find videos of her talking about Donald Trump before the election even happened, saying, oh, he'll never be president. We'll make sure of that. He'll never be president. Now, I've seen those videos. Even before uh, he debated Hillary, those videos were out there. Uh, there's, uh, there's a collusion happening. There's no doubt about that. But it's not Trump and Russia. And, uh, I cannot wait to see what, you know, Bill Barr does with uh, his report. It's funny because, you know, the, the Mueller report was no good for the left. Uh, uh, they came out with that. Stormy Daniels was no good. So they've been recycling stuff. And it finally hit me today why they've been doing this over and over and over and over. Because you would figure at some point they'll just concede the 2016 election. They'll move on. Election time is next year again, you know. And, uh, obviously they're, they know they're going to lose. Now, one of those candidates that they put up there is uh, worthy of, uh, you know, my urine when they're on fire, put it that way, or my spit when they're on fire, or your spit as an American taxpayer when they're on fire. None of these folks are, are any good. You have Kamala, the uh, Ugandan liar, lies about everything, and uh, you have, uh, let's see, her, some of her lies. She claims she smoked pot 12 years before Tupac and uh, Snoop ever had a record out, uh, Great. She said she was listening to Tupac and Snoop. That's a lie. Twelve years before they even had a record out? Really? Uh, How is that even possible? Do you have a time machine? I mean, the, I mean it, when you just cater to a certain demographic just to like, try to win a vote, it's pathetic. And she's the type of person that she's been on audio doing this. Uh, AOC's done this. Uh, a lot of these uh, folks do this, and they want to claim Trump's the racist, but they'll go on, like, uh, say, uh, a European show, right, or a, a quote-unquote, a white person's uh, show, talk show, TV show, whatever, and they try to sound as white as possible or as European-ish as possible. Now, when they're in an urban environment, you see them try to use slang, like, you know, they, they try to fit into the the demographic of the people listening to that moment 
And that's like the fakest thing as a person you could do. And I, you know, it's funny because they claim racism on one end, but that's typical racist behavior. And uh, that was something that I always, you know, nitpicked at uh, when I was younger, uh, when I would see people do that kind of, because that's not something that is out of the ordinary either. When you see people that do that, you know, you automatically understand they're just being racist and, and nobody calls them out on it, which is amazing. Nobody in the media dares to call them out. Now, I experienced that firsthand, uh, several times in the, in the retail industry. And, uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with customers on, on a, you know, daily basis, and you're a part of a sales group, and you have uh, people around you constantly that are salespeople or dealing with uh, th- certain individuals of different uh, backgrounds, races, religions, whatever, you you can kind of see who's the racist and who's not just by that. And I've uh, I've encountered it before with Spanish people towards black people. Uh, you know, black folks that work with us, uh, salespeople towards Spanish people, uh, they use the, uh, the lingo, the rhetoric, uh, you know, black folks call Spanish people poppy, which is weird because they did that to me once and I'm like, I'm not even a dad, like, that means dad in Spanish, why are you calling me that? Like, that makes no sense to me, you know? And they've called me that just because I look Latin and I am Latin, but I grew up in this country. And, uh, like, you know, they look at me like, hey, papi, how you doing? And I'm like, I don't even have that accent. Why are you talking to me like if I'm, like, from Puerto Rico or something? Like, you know, it's nonsense, racist, uh, in, you know, it's, I, I want to say it's a cultural a racist uh, behavior that is inbred into, like, the consciousness of everybody that is racist. AOC uh, has been on video doing this, okay? Uh, nobody calls her on, on it. Nobody wants to uh, call her on her bullshit. And uh, it's funny because I have a, a funny uh, clip, which I've played here before, of a member of ICE completely schooling her on her lack of intelligence and knowledge of rules and laws and facts. And I mean, they're talking about like probably the dumbest person in the entire Congress. And she is partly the reason for this Greta coming forward and uh, believing that the world's going to end in 12 years. It's it's hilarious. I mean, uh, when you look at the interviews that this uh, little Greta Thunberg has done, by the way, great parenting for her parents. Uh, they uh, put her ch- their child on a uh, boat ride solar-powered from Europe to America to have her uh, do a bunch of interviews. No wonder when she got off the boat, she was like, how dare you come to us with your illegitimate nonsense. Like, first of all, nobody went to her. Like, I don't remember, like, signing that petition saying, "Uh, we gotta find this Swedish uh, young girl and uh, we gotta go to her and you know, we got to ask her about her thoughts. And then have her uh, get on a boat, which is solar-powered, and it's going to travel through the ocean to get to America. And then when she gets here, she's going to get on a on a car, 
and she's going to drive away, which kind of defeats the purpose of being on a solar-powered boat. Because, you know, her, her, the entire agenda, the the whole kit and caboodle is she's anti-carbon, uh, you, you know, the way we burn fuel. She doesn't want to be a part of that. So is she walking everywhere? Is she running like Forrest Gump? Like, what, what is she doing? I mean, they picked her up in the car, right? I assume they're putting regular gasoline or a little fuel in there. Maybe I'm just assuming that, but what is it, a diesel? Maybe a little small electric car. I mean, I don't know what she took off in, but at some point she's burning fossil fuel. So uh, that's kind of hypocritical, right? But they're all following the narrative by one ALC. So uh, while, you know, going back to Shepard Smith is sad for him that he's leaving, uh, it's good for the rest of us because it's one less idiot on uh, Fox News spreading lies and misinformation. And um, we don't need any more of that. So, goodbye. But here's a geologist. I'm going to play this in a second here. This, this is an actual geologist, folks. Again, we're not talking about uh, just Joe Blow Nobody. Okay, this is uh, a person with credentials, and he's talking about, well, uh, yeah, there, there's really not much uh, to this, but it goes on a little bit deeper than just that. And when you really, you know, get down to it, um, there really isn't. Now, he's talking mainly about fossil fuels. Think about this. This is what they want to really get rid of, right? Which would, again, hurt the industry. It hurts the economy. It hurts the overall uh, way that we live and we move. You remove fossil fuels and you don't have anything to rely on. How are you going to drive your cars? How are you going to power your homes? Right? If they pass this uh, Green New Deal... Uh, which makes everybody turn their cars over and uh, makes airplanes obsolete. How are we going to get anywhere? Are we going back to the uh, 1800s when we were in horse and carriages? I mean, we don't have the technology randomly available yet to cover the entire planet to take away these things. But yet you have uh, one moron on the top AOC spreading this misinformation. And then you have little kids following her rhetoric. And you have girls like Greta who, you know, I, I feel bad for her. I don't want to, like, make fun of her because she is, uh, you know, she does suffer from mental illness. She has Asperger's Syndrome. So there's, you know, certain things I don't want to say, which I would love to say if she was older and, and mentally stable. Uh, but I don't like bullying kids. But, I mean, it's uh, it's nonsense, the stuff that's happening on that end. But... Check this out. This is, again, a real geologist talking about real fossil fuel and about AOC lying about it, which, uh, again, is leading to nothing but copycats that are scared for their lives. And that is much more dangerous than anything that the president has said about any of these people that have been attacking them. And I have uh, some stuff on Adam Shifty Shift forehead. Uh, or Adam Schiffhead, as I like to call him, which I'm going to play also. Uh, there's also a big movement on Twitter we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but let's get to this audio 
clip first. Here we go. You have this very emotional, special needs a teenager who's scared out of her mind that the world is coming to an end. She's now an international sensation. There are copycat kids all over the United States who are, you know, walking out of class. They believe the world is coming to an end. We've allowed government to control education in this country for most of our lives. Uh, we, we had a Department of Education that was created only in 1978. And none of what you just said. None of what you just said is being presented to students so they can, they can hear differing points of view from differing uh, you know, scientific theories. Why is this being totally left out of public education? Well, this is, this is just one example of the, the problems we have in the education system. I, I'm not sure how we, we solve it. Uh, beyond just taking your kids out of the public school system. And I mean, we're talking, my, my wife and I are talking about our granddaughter, how we don't want her indoctrinated. I mean, I was just at the climate strike here and where I live in Pittsburgh uh, and saw these youths. Uh, the speakers range from five years old uh, up to 18. Uh, they've been in, well, they could have stayed in school and been indoctrinated, or they could have gone there and been indoctrinated, but they're going to get indoctrinated one way or the other. But I tell you what, Andrew, I'm, I am optimistic about when I go around, I travel around the country, uh, random people I talk to, just about every single person I talk to has a thirst for this information that I talk about and bring. They haven't heard a lot of this. And like you say, I'm trying to get the word out. The, I mean, one of the things that's valuable, we've got a smartphone app uh, that relates to the books. You can have these charts that I that I have in my book. You can put them in the palm of your hand, and and that way, if your idiot nephew's telling you that polar bears are going extinct, <laughs> you know, you could go, "Oh, wait a minute, Billy. Here's fact number fifty-two showing sixty years of polar bear population," and that's the power that that something like this smartphone app has to give you the power to confidently talk about it. I have the confidence to talk about it because I'm a climate geek. I mean, I'm a geologist and a guy. I, I do this all day, every day. But most people don't, and they need they need this this factual information that can be backed up. Uh, and, and it's what we, you know, I, I'm trying to empower people with the inconvenient facts about climate change. And again, I'm I am very optimistic. As I travel around the United States, meet people in airports, I've yet to sit next to anybody on an airplane in the last two years as I'm traveling around that isn't thirsty for this knowledge, that no one's given me real pushback and saying, oh, you're crazy. Um, yeah, one of the big... So one of the big things when I was a kid was acid rain. I remember the fear mongering over acid rain. And let me, let me appeal to you as a geologist. Uh, Live Science had a headline back in 2008 and the headline was early earth marred by acid rain. And they pointed out that sulfur dioxide and nitrogen oxide were rampant in the atmosphere, that the acid rain was 10,000 times stronger than it is today. Well, if, if, academics, if public educators are teaching students that acid rain is a product of human activity, most notably the combustion engine, how is it possible that, that a billion years ago we had 10,000 times the acid rain we have today? This is also something that if you are not going out and reading these reports, this happened to be from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, you are not going to learn this uh, listening to left-wing uh, political figures and public educators. Well, actually, I ju you just taught me something I didn't know that. So I'm 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 educated. Well, I have a now thirst. I have that. a thirst for the knowledge, like you said. Okay, 
Um, you're going to have to forgive me. No matter what I talk about, I have to go research it myself to double check. I've heard so much BS about so many things. And some of the things actually that I thought, uh, for example, the ozone hole, I'm researching that now. And there's what's fascinating is the, well, I'm not ready to buy into it completely, but there seems to be a relationship between volcanism and the lack of ozone depletion, which leads more ultraviolet rays to the get to the earth and warms the earth. There seems to be a relationship there. And it's it's fascinating. I'm just in the process now of going a little bit deeper. But that's just but just having said that, that's just one example of just how many things that are that affect our climate that Rather than just, they think that they, Al Gore, AOC, and the rest, they think that uh, carbon dioxide is the control knob on the temperature of the earth. They think that by altering our use of fossil fuels, they can change the temperature of the earth. That's, think about it. We, that's crazy. Uh, the earth has been uh, rising and falling. The one thing I, th- I always say about temperature, the only thing constant about temperature is that it's never constant. Man, it's going up and down and up and down no matter what scale we look at, either daily, monthly, yearly, thousands of years or millions of years, we see huge changes in temperatures. And we see that they're rarely corresponding to high amounts of CO2. And we also see, if I can just go into this, my little CO2 rant with with your permission, uh, if we look through geologic time, we're... Right now, we're a little over, I'm not going to give a whole lot of numbers, we're a bit over 400 parts per million, we're like 416 or something. Uh, we've gained, now just, again, just another number, we've added 130 parts per million uh, to the atmosphere uh, since the Industrial Revolution, and that's mainly burning fossil fuels. If we look back through time, the last 140 million years of history, carbon dioxide has declined almost in a straight line from more than 2,500 to where we are today. So we've lost, we've lost 2,000 parts per million of carbon dioxide, and they're worried about 130 part per million increase. Now that comes to us uh, from Blaze TV. Shout outs to them uh, for always posting uh, really interesting audio. That's from the, uh, uh, I believe it's the Will Cow Show. Uh, so check them out over on uh, Blaze TV. Now, it's really interesting to hear him say, uh, you know, AOC and Al Gore. And these are the people that have been pushing this uh, nonsense agenda for, you know, decades. AOC's just jumping on the bandwagon now, but Al Gore kind of started this nonsense. Now, you know, one thing he, he hit on is that, you know, the data, the data going back. Uh, look, there's not enough data to suggest that we're causing any problems. And uh, to keep that narrative going, the left is doing nothing but causing people to get scared and causing mass panic within the youth, which causes an uprising with kids that don't know any better. They don't want to go and do the actual homework to understand what really is, has been going on. And I suggest you guys uh, look up this clip is uh, on uh, YouTube and uh, view the video version, and you can look it up by looking up geologist. Uh, AOC is lying about fossil fuels with uh, Will Kyle. That's the other uh, show name. Uh, check out the video. It's uh, interesting stuff. There's more on there on Blaze TV, of course, if you want to check them out. And uh, look, uh, a bunch of uh, really good stuff on there. Glenn Beck is on there. Um, Louder with Crowder 
which I love that dude's show. He has an awesome YouTube show. Uh, if you haven't checked out Louder with Crowder, I, I highly recommend that show. Highly, highly recommend it. It's a, a fantastic uh, YouTube show. It's not even uh, like one single podcast, uh, and, you know, like we do here. Like he does interviews. He goes out and does uh, Louder with Crowder live on remote places, uh, which uh, he does the uh, segment Change My Mind, which is really cool. And he always has, uh, at least I find him to be uh, funny, and he does a lot of funny skits and stuff, and it's very diverse, um, you know, cast that he has with him. He even has an Asian guy, which I'm trying to get my hands on some Asian people to like, join me on the uh, the show here. Why not? Let's bring more pe- people on here. In fact, I wanted to announce that segueing out of this into something else, uh, we're going to start to be joined uh, next week on this show by a new sidekick. And I'm not going to say the name yet. I just will say that he is finally on a detox. And he's going to be joining me right here on Inside the Jackal's Head. And it's cool because, you know, we agree on a lot of things and we don't agree on some other things. And he, it's going to be cool to have kind of like a sidekick to uh, bounce back and forth on uh, certain topics and... uh he knows he's the sidekick. This is inside my head. He's just going to be one of the uh, voices that I, okay, once in a while, uh, talk to. Remember, we had, uh, before I, I went on my long hiatus, we had Pete, who was, uh, the sidekick on the show for a bit. And, uh, Pete was a voice inside the head here. And, uh, he was a lot of fun. But, uh, the person, uh, who's going to start the show, is uh, a, a, a voice you might have heard in the past. I'll just do it at that. And he's finally out of detox, which is... <laughs> if you know who I'm talking about, that, that'll make you, make you laugh out loud just like that. Or like that. By the way, I saw Joker uh, this week, and fantastic, speaking of uh, crazy laughs. Really love that movie. It's uh, not meant, you know, it's funny because I read an article where they said it wasn't meant uh, to really talk about anything, anything major or push any buttons or anything like that. But it accidentally then does because it really correlates to a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the media right now with the left going like on a daily basis crazy. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's uh, one of the best movies I've seen this year. If it doesn't win at least two or three Oscars, I'll be shocked. I mean, that's how good it was. Joaquin Phoenix is phenomenal as Joker. I mean, you can really strip the name Joker out of the movie, and it's still an amazing, uh, dark and gritty and haunting movie. It's one of those movies when you watch and you leave theaters... You almost want to like see it again just because you know there's so many things that happened that you missed. And it's, uh, you know, you would expect to have a, a lot of humor, but, you know, being a DC movie, but it really doesn't. And even the humor is dark and it, you know, it's meant to be that way. Like when he's on as a comedian, he's meant to like give you bad jokes so the jokes don't click. And some people are like, you know, commenting on that. And I'm like, you're stupid. That's supposed to be the whole point. He's a bad comedian. His jokes are not meant for you to laugh as a joke normally would make you laugh. It's meant for you to go, oh, well, that failed. 
you know, that no wonder this guy was uh, not feeling, you know, the love. As a, you know, as a person who actually uh, got on stage, uh, did a couple of, you know, live performances and did a little comedy myself, yours truly here, I know the fear of going on stage and, uh, and doing comedy in front of a com- uh, in front of a crowd, it's not easy, that's a very, very hard thing to do, I did only a couple times and I really, I didn't bomb, not, not as bad as Arthur Fleck in the movie, but, uh, you know, I can understand how that could be a, a great premise for a movie like that, and they, they pulled it off really, really well. Jokers in the theaters now, check that out. It's the number one movie in America, rightfully so, by the way. Now, uh, as entertainment goes, I was checking out, uh, Twitter earlier, and I really wanted to get, uh, to this, uh, before the end of the hour. So I'm gonna make this the next thing I talk about, because this is funny. This is, uh, really, really funny. We're, we're gonna get to the Maxine Waters thing also. And, uh, in a second here, but, uh, there's a, a new hashtag on Twitter. Expose CNN. And, uh, this is, uh, from the Veritas guys. James O'Keefe, uh, has uh, a funny video where, uh, you know, they're gonna put out a video exposing CNN and some of the corrupt, uh, things that they've been doing and some leaks that they've been having and, uh, he, you know, came out with this hashtag, expose CNN, hashtag expose CNN, and it was trending like crazy, over 120s, well, he'll tell you the numbers now, but over 100,000, you know, likes or views or whatever, and, uh, it was the most, uh, I think clicked on hashtag or the most, uh, retweeted hashtag on on Twitter, and yet when you put expose as a hashtag, it wouldn't come on, like Fox will come on, like expose Fox, and they have like, not even a, a percentage, like 1% of like what, you know, expose CNN had, but it's funny, like, Twitter has been purposely, uh, I guess in, in their hate for Trump, uh, putting anything that exposes or tries to expose, uh, anything that's pro-Trump. So, you know, and, uh, this is just further proof of that. He is not lying on the video or the audio clip you're gonna hear in a second here. I went myself on, uh, on Twitter and tried it as, as I tweeted something out, and sure enough, it happened to me. I even, uh, tweeted to him on, uh, to James O'Keefe. Uh, that it happened to me, and I shared, I shared my screenshot on Twitter, and I posted it on there. Now, I recently got a little bit under fire on Twitter and lost one, my, my main account that I've had there since Twitter opened, and I uh, lost thousands of uh, followers and thousands of people that I followed and know my tweets for, like, the last, you know, how many years uh, over something I tweeted, which was, which was pro-Trump, and it wasn't even that bad. But they, they deemed it to be, uh, you know, the worst thing ever, and they just completely shut down my account. So I have a new account now, uh, which actually was a secondary account that I was using, 
and I just uh, made it my main account. Now it has a lot less followers, so I gotta pick up those numbers. So if you look me up at Real Angel Espino on Twitter, you'll find that that account again. That's at Yatsign Real R E A L Angel Espino A N G E L E S P I N O Real Angel Espino. And uh, just look that up on Twitter. You'll see that the uh, the account is not my main account. But uh, my account before was at the Jackal. And uh, that had been that for years. And uh, no more. I lost every one of those tweets. And uh, I've noticed that the Twitter has been doing that more and more. They attack or suspend or, you know, whatever they, they block. Uh, access to anything that's pro-Trump or pro-Republican. Now remember, uh, guys, I'm not either pro-Republican or Democrat. I'm a gray Jedi. I'm in the middle. I'm a gray Jedi. Not only my beard is gray, my affiliation is in the middle. Like I don't lean one way or the other. Really, I voted for Obama. I voted for Trump. So that tells you everything right there, right? I regret voting for Obama because Obamacare killed me. A bunch of things he's done were just terrible for me. And uh, Trump has, uh, you know, he won me over, you know, especially when he was running against Hillary. I mean, anything uh, but Hillary. Nothing against her being a woman. She's just a terrible candidate, and I don't want another. uh, I I really did not want to see another Clinton in the White House. I I mean, the, the first... Eight years of the of Bill was bad enough, and he actually, you know, for all the the garbage that went against Trump, Bill actually was guilty of what he did, to the point that you know he was caught lying. He lied to the American people, and then he took it back and said, "I'm sorry, I lied to you," but he was busted with actual lies, right? the whole Russian thing was a hoax, and they still want to try to point that, like, like seriously, like, they want to say, oh, well, Trump, uh, you know, he obstructed justice because he got mad at somebody who was making up a hoax, and he might have said something along the lines, like, can he get fired, or whatever, you know, the, the nonsense was before, and nothing has stuck ever since. But, you know, uh, this uh, thing with Veritas uh, on uh, Twitter is really funny. Uh, check out the audio clip. It's about a minute long. Uh, this You can find that on Twitter, the video version. He's just walking through a hallway, and he's sharing the information, which you're going to hear here. So uh, check this out. I just got back from D.C., from the Value Voters Summit. i got to show you something Eric uh, on our media team showed me. This is absolutely hilarious. If you go to Twitter right now, First of all, we were trending number one last night in the United States, 152,000 tweets about this exposed CNN. People are still talking about exposing CNN, excited about the release. 152,000 tweets. But if you go to Twitter and you type in the word expose right now, you get expose Fox, expose Fox News, expose James O'Keefe. So we looked in to see how many people are actually tweeting about expose James O'Keefe. 66. 66 tweets. Six tweets per minute versus... 200,000 tweets, 670 tweets per minute. I just want to say this is hilarious, Jim, that we have, we have a video coming tomorrow, and they're already doing damage control. 
I mean, what are they going to do? What are they going to do when this thing drops? I don't even know if they're going to be able to stop it. Well, our production team is busy right now finishing the piece. We have the insider still, still working for the network, actually. So we actually just got some more content today for some high-level people. This is going to be big, but I am actually laughing right now at Jack Dorsey. I think this is hilarious. This guy's got to get his shop under control. We got engineers in San Francisco trying to stop this thing. They're not going to be able to stop. Now, there you go. That's uh, something that even, like I said, happened to me when I typed in hashtag expose. If you don't believe it, do it yourself. Go on Twitter. Try it. You'll see that it's not a lie. They're censoring the Republicans, folks. They're censoring the right. They're censoring anybody pro-Trump. And it's funny. They're uh, attacking people that are trying to expose corruption. You would think that Twitter, the media, you know, they would be, you know, celebrating that people are trying to stop corruption. They'll be on board with this kind of thing. Uh, you know, like the, the president said, he's draining the swamp, right? That's that's what he ran on. That's what he's doing. He's building the wall. That's happening. That's what he ran on. That's what he's doing. Now, not everything has gone smoothly because you have people like uh, Adam Shifty Shifthead making up, uh, you know, your Ukrainian phone calls. And if you don't remember that nonsense... You've been very good to your country. Very good. No other country has done as much as we have. But you know what? I don't see much reciprocity here. I hear what you want. I have a favor I want from you, though. And I'm going to say this only seven times, so you better listen good. I want you to make up dirt on my political opponent. Understand lots of it. On this and on that... I'm going to put you in touch with people, and not just any people. I'm going to put you in touch with Attorney General of the United States, my Attorney General, Bill Barr. He's got the whole weight of the American law enforcement behind him. And I'm going to put you in touch with Rudy. You're going to love him, trust me. You know what I'm asking, and so I'm only going to say this a few more times, in a few more ways. And by the way, don't call me again. I'll call you when you've done what I asked. This is, in sum and character, what the president was trying to communicate. See, there it is right there. It's some in character what the president was trying. None of that. It's part of the, the actual phone call. Like, he made up the entire thing. He took, uh, you know, certain things out of context and he put, like, this mobster persona to sell it to the American people. And uh, he really is a lowlife. They even gave him uh, four Pinocchios, which if you guys don't know what that is, look that up on Google. Uh, that's given to, uh, you know, folks who lie. Uh, and that was given to him by, uh, I think, the, Trump, the uh, Washington Times or one of these, you know, news outlets uh, gave him the four Pinocchios. And, uh, I mean, seriously, the guy is a liar. He, Clearly, he knows what he's doing. The the memo had not even come out at that point. Um, but he read it. He knew it was in there. And he saw it. And he's like, well, you know, this is not useful. This is nothing. And what he did was, this is brainwashing. He's giving you a, a mobster's interpretation. Like, look here, see? I want you to do this and do that. And, 
you owe us, and uh, we got favors to call in. When that was not even, I mean, that was not even part of the conversation. If you read the transcript, none of that was in there. It was a very polite phone call. I mean, I'm not going to use the president's words, but it was just a regular congratulations phone call. He, uh, you know, did bring up, uh, is, this is what's funny about this. If you read the memo, what does Trump ask about ending corruption, about cr- uh, strike? What happened in 2016? That's what he's talking about. Now, if you th- just use your brain for a second, this will get logical. I don't care what side of the spectrum you fall on. Just using your, your logical brain. If you're part of a corrupt scheme, why would you address that to a newly elected president of the country? where you know corruption took place in, in a phone call which is not supposed to be heard by anybody, but you and that person. Okay, why would he bring that up? That makes no sense. That that shows you right there that this was a you know a a completely innocent phone call. He you know the president is still bitter and mad about being lied about and hoaxed on, and he's addressing the president of Ukraine, who's just been elected, who's a big fan of his because he he ran on anti-corruption, and he's telling him, you know, hey, you know, uh, look into uh, the corruption that happened in 2016. That was the past. It had nothing to do with what's going on in the future. He, you know, he's trying to get to the bottom of that. So it doesn't happen again to a future president. So the elections are clean. Okay, why would he do that if he's corrupt? I mean, if that was the case, the phone call would have been like, Hey, uh, good job, uh, you know, congratulations, uh, welcome to the party, and uh, I'll see you at the UN. Peace. I mean, just let's use our brains here for a second, guys. And then in the second part of the phone call, um, you know, of the memo, it's a Ukrainian president, I believe, that brings up uh, Joe Biden at one point. And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, look into that also because, you know, that doesn't look good or something like the president said. Uh, you know, the whole thing's out there. It, the whole whistleblower thing is hysterical because the memo is like word for word of what was said. And then the first whistleblower, like, blew it because he didn't go through the proper channels. So now they're playing this game where, like, oh, there's another whistleblower. But what do you need whistleblowers for? The memo's freaking out there. Everybody's seen it. We know what was said. I mean, are we supposed to take hearsay in the word of a mysterious face that will not come forward over the president? That's he going to impeach him on? Really? I mean, it's, uh, have we come down to, like, that? I mean, when the president says that shift uh, shift is a uh, low life, he's not kidding. I mean, you heard it right there. He literally made stuff up. Now, check. This is from the Greg uh, Goodfeld show. This is another piece of audio. This is a, 
a great, this is funny. Uh, just listen to this for a second, and we're going to get so into it. Would like Bernie to reenact Kamala Harris's uh, anecdote where she claims to have smoked dope, dope, and then listened uh, to Tupac uh, twelve years before he ever made an album. Uh, no, uh, and, uh, that would be. No, this is like everybody on the left is liars. I mean, it's amazing. They're all liars. Kamala, the Ugandan liar over there, as I have uh, named her now, actually said that. And uh, there's an interview with her talking about it, that she smoked potless and Snoop and, and Tupac. And it, that's hysterical because the, when she said that she was smoking pot, I mean, Tupac and Snoop would have been like in third grade or something along those lines. Uh, so it, it would be, I mean, unless they were rapping, uh, as soon as it got out the womb, it's impossible that she was hearing Snoop Dogg. I mean, what was he doing? Rolling down the canal with the uterus wrapped around my head now. Like, what was that about? Was Dre doing the beats back then too? I, I mean, I don't get it. Was Tupac talking about it's a hard knock life uh, instead of thug life? Back when it was, it's a hard knock cradle life. I mean, seriously, and nobody calls her out on it. It's amazing, the hypocrisy. How AOC, Kamala, all these people on the left get away with lying on a, on a daily basis. They trash the president. Uh, Maxine Waters trashed the president from day one, and now she's coming out saying that the people are trying to kill her. I mean, that because of this president, people are trying to kill her. Check this audio out. Yet again, the anti-Trump Dem is doubling down on her calls for the president to be thrown in prison over Ukraine. When asked about it, Waters defended her comments. Well, I think that most people who have watched me over the past two years know that I am a responsible person who have talked about the Constitution. They know that I've been serious about this. I've had the courage to stand up when nobody else would stand with me. So people know that I'm responsible and that I'm serious. And like I said, that impeachment is the imperative. And trying to figure this out, after saying the president should be behind bars, Waters is claiming it's Trump who is putting her in danger. He's the president of the United States of America. He's setting some of us up to be killed. I have death threats constantly. There are a number of people who have been convicted uh, for threatening to kill me. I mean, I can't go to the grocery store uh, anymore by myself. I have to pay for security uh, all the time. I can't move around the country uh, without security. So, Jesse, this is the same woman who said that Trump cabinet members should be harassed in public while they're eating out or at the grocery store. So it's a little bit ironic to hear her complaining. Yeah. First of all, no one wants a civil war. Right. Um, and I think the Republicans are undefeated in civil wars. Just a little refresher course for those of you guys who forgot. Um, I, you know, Maxine Waters, no relation. I know her pretty well. And I used to be a booker for many, many years. And I understand Maxine. I understand why people book her. She's crazy, and occasionally you need to book crazy people on cable to keep the audience interested because you never know what she's going to say, and that's the delightful part about people I like her. runs through and everybody named Waters. <laughs> Very unpredictable. Um, and so this is what they do. They put her on MSNBC, and then they just let her go, and who knows what's going to happen, right? You had, like, Alan Grayson, people like uh -huh. that. You know, it just... 
crazy people, right? So this is what they do. So the crazy people have three cards they play. They play the race card, they play the gender card, and they play the death card. So now the death card, it used to be Republican policies kill people, right? Right. Repealing Obamacare is going to kill you, all that stuff. Now Republican rhetoric will kill you. Build the wall will get people killed. Um, you know, whatever gets everybody killed. So this is why they do that, though, okay? They try to tee it up so the next time there is violence in the country, they can blame Trump. They also do this to make themselves feel better about themselves, like they're so important that they might actually get killed. There's no kill list. I get death threats all the time, and I'm a wonderful person. From me, especially. Yeah, it's from you. <laughs> um, it also creates fear in the electorate uh -huh. that Trump's rhetoric is so dangerous he can't afford a second term, and it also insulates themselves from criticism because, hey, you can't criticize me because people are trying to kill me. Right. Mm -hmm. So, Greg, how do you feel about Abraham Lincoln? Uh, what? That's an interesting question. He's the Republican who won the Civil War. Ah, he was a good guy. A little too tall for my tastes. <laughs> uh, like some interesting backstory I won't get into with him. But anyway, <laughs> um, Maxine it kind of symbolizes the hypocrisy of the entire left and the media in general. Only we, them, the media can be hostile, right? They don't want to share the ball. And then uh, they own the field. I've always said this before. That's why I'm tired of saying it. They... they <laughs> They own the field, they own the reps, they own the equipment. How dare Trump show up and beat them at their own game? Yep. You know, they never had this. It reminds me a lot of when, when Fox News showed up and everybody was going, oh, my God, there's this polarization. No, you only liked it when there was one poll. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you got another poll, uh, and now you got to deal with that, and it's just not fair. You don't want you have to work harder to, 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 uh, to defend your beliefs. And I think that's what the problem is. As for the, you know, the death threats, we all get the death threats, and that's just part of the game. There's a lot of crazy people out there and there's a lot of new avenues to go after people. It's very simple. The bar is low for people to do that. But I think it's a I think it's healthy uh, that for, for, for both sides mm -hmm. uh, that there are now two sides so, and she can't be complaining about it. So, Dana, exactly. She can't be complaining about it. This crazy person has been ranting and raving like a lunatic since uh, before the president got, uh, in, in the, you know, the presidency. And, uh, it's hilarious because she says, people are coming after me, I need security, I need this. She's a politician, she's a congresswoman. They always had security with them. Before President Trump was in office, they always had security around these people. So, what did she have to hire another security guard? I mean, to what cover her left side? I mean, this is the, the stupidity of this woman. I mean, does she not understand that every time she goes in public, we know that she has, you know, national security that, you know, takes a look out for her movements? She's part of Congress. It's not like they are allowed to go, like, to Publix or, or to the mall by themselves without having security with them. You know, especially a high-figure politician that a lot of people know and, you know, a lot of people don't like because she runs her mouth and lies, makes up things, harasses, and uh, does all kinds of nasty stuff. Uh, so it's it's laughable, it's hypocrisy, but you know what? It's also the end of the hour. We're going to go on break, and when we come back, we got Joe Roop on the line, and we're going to talk to him about his show, his podcasting, and uh, you guys are going to have a good time in the second hour here. So stick around. We're back here on Inside the Jackal's Head with more show on PSN-Radio.com. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Jackal's Head, right here live on PSN Radio. Of course, uh, you can look up the show as well on my main website, angelespino.com, and it's an ever-growing website. On a daily basis, I spend way too much time on that website, uh, to the point where the chair is becoming my best friend, and I hate that. I sit here and uh, I try to blog out as much stuff on there as possible, and uh, it's uh, on a daily basis being worked on. So please enjoy that bookmark it, check it out. Uh, it's going to have all kinds of information not only on this show but on the road show that I'm going to be doing pretty soon, which I'm excited about. We're going to be taking this show live out into the world, not just here in Miami, but uh, as the elections coming up, I'm going to be doing a little uh, road trip. And the uh, website's going to be documenting all that stuff. But right now we have uh, Joe Roop on the line with us. And let me tell you something about Joe real quick. He is a self-described, uh, and I'm going to quote him on, on this one. He's outgoing, fun. He's a fun-loving man who lives for the moment, loves unconditionally, laughs at everything. And he's also an excellent podcast host. That part was not quoted. I added that in there myself uh in fact uh, he has been uh, really nice and he's had me on his show and uh it's an excellent show he's uh i would say uh a level above some of us uh, who do this on an amateur level really uh enjoyed uh, being on the show and i think everybody who listens to this show whether it's live or on podcast later on should really check him out if you have not already and i uh you know i like always uh you know talking to other hosts, uh, whether I'm on their show or they're on my show, because I like to get both perspectives, and uh, it's always fun to be on somebody's show and, and be asked, you know, the questions, and to be, like, on that perspective, like, I have to answer now, damn it, as opposed to, like, being the one to ask the questions and, you know, just sit there and have, you know, the guest answer the question. Uh, but it's fun to you know be on both sides, and he does a really uh, really good show. He grew up knowing that at an early age that there was more to life than it seemed, and uh, that's uh, something that I think a lot of us deal with the paranormal can uh, really understand. Uh, he was uh, also esoteric. He developed a love for uh, late night talk radio while attending college. And uh soon heard the calling, which I think we've all heard the calling who tried to do podcast. I think the calling's uh, name for some of us was uh, the late Art Bell. Uh Joe, was that one of the callings? That was it, man. You know, yeah. when that show went off the air. I felt like you know you know how it feels when you go through like a really bad breakup? You know, you got mm-hmm. your you got your yep. breakups where you're like, Oh, okay, I'm good. And then you got some that are like, Oh that's what it felt like. The bad one, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you say that because I remember the the first time as I was listening to you know for art for many many years. Uh, in fact, uh, you you and I share a passion for like Phil Hendry, Art Bell, Neil Rogers, uh, which is uh, you know the that's the, the the Mount Rushmore of the radio folks that I that I loved growing up. And the first time that Art went off the air, it was like exactly like a breakup. I felt like. You know, like a part of me had just died, and it was, you know, a personal thing that took him off the air dealing with his with his kid. 
And that was like heartbreaking, almost like if I had just lost a loved one or a girlfriend. And, you know, sorry, Art, I know you're, you passed away now. And I would hate to reflect, you know, just to, to say like a girlfriend, but, uh, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it right. kind of feels like that void, uh, was there. And then when he came back and, uh, you know, the, and that was amazing for two weeks and then he left again and then he came back, left again, came back. And uh, it's, you know, but that guy was such a a catalyst for myself. I mean, I know uh, we've spoken off the air and on your show about what he meant to you and to the audience, you know, not only about what he meant to you, but, you know, about your show. Well, I I didn't. Actually, I found out about the guy late, you know. I was uh, studying the occult, and uh, one of my friends that I'm, I met on the, one of my first interviews, Stephen Ash, who wrote uh, The Golden Dawn Initiate. And I wanted to interview him about his book, and uh, he mentioned Art Bell. And I was like, Art Bell? He goes, you don't, he just laughed at me, you know. He goes, you don't know who Art Bell is. And said, yeah, I think I've heard that show. I've listened to it before, um, back in like the late 90s, I believe, and stuff, and really liked it then too, but not like now. And so I turned it on, and I mean, the first night I turned it on, I was done, done for. And uh, it was, I got in just way too late. And so I I, I just went back and listened to all his archives when he wasn't on the air. Um, And there was something about that, like what you're doing right now and what I do is the intimate feeling of the live show, right? Because whatever you're doing right now, you know they're there with you now it's not pre-recorded it's not really edited so to speak so yeah i just fell in love with it there was something about his voice too i mean it was uh and you know not to sound strange but he had like a very soothing tone and even if the you know the guest he had on or the topic he had on was really far-fetched he at least, you know, made you feel comfortable in listening to what you were listening to, to the point where even it was something like really dark and scary like Father Malachi Martin and or EVPs or anything dealing with, like, ghost activities, which, you know, to this day kind of, like, you know, freaked me out. Uh, even though it was stuff like that, I mean, you listened to it and art made you feel at ease with what you were listening to. And I'm always, you know... You know, I'm kind of like freaked out when I hear an EVP of a child, for example. And then I heard Art say that once on the air, and then I'm like, exactly like he voiced my opinion. Like he was like the voice of the people, but in a very soothing way, which I think he really resonated with the audience. I don't know if you agree with that, but yeah, he sounded like a uh, like an uncle that you had that right, a grandfatherly uncle to talk to or something. Yeah, um, that was just really good at conversation. That's mm-hmm. all I could explain about it. Yeah. He's going to be deeply missed, man. I, uh, you know, I was uh, really lucky to uh, work with Keith Rowland and Art briefly over on Dark Matter Radio Network on uh, on Skywatchers Radio, well, which aired before Art's show uh, when he came back and he was on the network for a while, which was like five or six months, and then he, he left the network. And um I was just blessed to be able to uh be the show before his show 
and uh, then just stay around. I mean, I did, we would do two hours and then listen to his th- two or three hours, whatever he was on. So literally, like that was a, a night for us, and Man, we did that. Cool. And we did that for Sky Watchers. We did it for uh, Bill and Nancy's Future Theater Show uh, Monday nights, and uh, I mean, two nights a week. It was like five hours of radio, and it was our show, and then just sit back and listen to Art go off and, and do his show, and that was like the best time, you know, just to be well, in that moment. Was, I listened uh, to him, and uh, when I went to college, like mm. I went to college really late, like early thirties, you know, um, and I had to go to night classes. I worked on the phone during the day, and I went to night classes, and I was listening to him there. But I didn't really know who it was, kind of. So when I stopped listening to, to it on uh, in college, I just stopped because I didn't have night classes anymore. And then when Stephen brought it up again, I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Then I was like, oh, yeah, I know this guy. So back when I listened, the first time I heard him was on, uh, I think it was Sirius, I believe. Mm. That, yeah, it was Sirius and then yeah. the Midnight in the Desert. So I never actually got to listen to like a live coast-to-coast with him on there. Oh, the, those were like the golden days of Art Bell, the golden age, the Coast to Coast age. Now, of course, uh, George Norrie is the uh, the host on uh, Coast to Coast AM, and uh, you know, they have George Snap, and they've had other co-hosts over the years, uh, but nobody does does it or, or did it like Art Bell. Um, and you know, this is not ego. I mean, this is, uh, for me, it's just uh, the way I feel about the man. So. But again, I, you know, let's, uh, you know, get off of uh, Art's uh, shadow for a minute here. And, uh, you know, tell me more about your show because, I mean, I, I like I said, I love the, the, the time I spent with you on your show. And, uh, you know, you deal with paranormal uh, topics, uh, which I love talking about. What's your favorite topic to talk about in the paranormal spectrum of things? Well, I would, you know, before, uh, if you don't mind me saying, I did email Art. Three days before he died. Actually, it was, uh, who was helping me? Somebody was helping me produce, and I forget who it was. It was a girl, and he emailed us back. Mm. It was just a few days before he passed away. And he was oh, like, no hey, kidding. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, he responded like he was, everything was cool, you know? Yeah. He said, hey, I really appreciate the offer. I'm just retired. I don't do do radio anymore yeah. or interviews or anything. But, um to your question, like what I talk about is, I like to say that the show is eclectic, kind of like mm. uh, his was, but we we talk a lot about um, more like consciousness, like spirit science stuff. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot of paranormal stuff. We talk a lot of um, even technology. And then sometimes, you know, like you do, we just banter, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Dan on or a, a frequent co-host that comes on, depends on, you know, who's on that night and uh we'll just banter sometimes and but most of the time it's guest orientated you know sometimes it's funny because i find it just you know having uh some friends on and bantering for a couple of hours is a lot of fun uh but that's cool i mean you cover like you know all kind of parts of the paranormal spectrum and like i do here just you know a little bit of everything yeah we talk about a lot of stuff that skeptics don't believe in like uh let's say for instance uh magic has been a heavy subject lately you know mm. magic hey cool. the occult you know yeah. the deep dark evil stuff right um yeah. Yeah. we kind of explore that now you say magic you're not talking about like for the listeners you know it's not like david copperfield 
flies on no. wires. It's none of that. Like real dark magic. Yeah, it's more like somebody drawing <laughs> a circle and invoking an angel or um, setting an intention and letting it go. And then the universe brings it back. And the, the mm. cool thing is, is uh, for, I mean, if there's a skeptic of magic, I would say, you know, don't look at the old stuff. Look at the more modern stuff like chaos magic where they've actually um, put a science to it. So the chaos magicians, these guys, it, there wasn't really a moral morality thing with them. It was more like um, they just wanted to see what would work. And so right. they did a lot of experiments, and there was a lot of theory, and they just stuck with what works, and then they kind of based their systems around what worked, and they do a lot of experiments, too. So there's a lot of physics and science involved in chaos magic, too. Well, you don't have to draw a circle to get my attention. My name's Nature, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no circles needed. Just uh, hit me up on Skype or uh, Facebook or Twitter. I'll answer back. Uh, I'm pretty easy to get a uh, hold of. Uh, but, you know, it's funny uh, we, we, you talk about that because a couple of nights ago I was watching the movie, uh, the movies, because I, I did a back-to-back, Gate 1 and 2. Have you ever seen the, those movies from the uh, 90, 80s, 90s, around there? Like Probably. 80s mostly, yeah. Probably. I've seen a bunch of movies. I just don't remember. I'm sure I've seen it, though. Uh, it's a, a couple of kids, they, uh, they summon demons and these little, like, demon grade looking things to come out and, uh, they attack them and, uh, in the sequel, like, the main kid is not in it, but the other kid is sidekick with the glasses in it and he does the same because, you know, he didn't close the portal properly or something like that. Uh, Gate 1 and 2. Yeah, they're, they're from the 80s. Uh, really, really cool horror movies, uh, but it's cool because it deals with just that, the, the occult and dark magic and, uh, doing the circle is in there and the chants and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, you really should check them out. And, uh, it's funny because the, um, I forget the writer's name, but the, the writer who did the, the, the script for the first one was deeply interested in the occult and that's the reason why they came up with that script. And a lot of that, uh, you know, over the years, I've asked, uh, you know, folks that are really into the, the subject. And they say, yeah, there's a lot of truth, you know, in the lore. You know, not that they believe that you're actually going to be able to summon demons. But in the actual mythology and the lore, they actually, there's some truth to what they've, you know, studied or, you know, researched themselves in, that, in those movies. And they're, they're low-budget horror films. And really, really cool. So, Gate 1 and 2. Check them out. And uh, I, I've always said they should remake those two movies right now with today's technology. It'd be incredible. But they hold up really well. I saw them a couple of nights ago, and, and even for the you know effects in the 80s, they hold up really, really well. So I think you'd like them. I really do. Shocked you haven't seen them because you're a buff of this, uh, this stuff. Well, I, you know, I got into uh, We've got a host on the network. Uh, Alex Exum on the Fringe FM, who, who's done a, a B movie. It's called Assault of Sasquatch, like her. Oh, cool. Sasquatch or something like that. Yep. Um, so I got into that, like just not too long ago, like B movies. Uh, so, um, I think they're fantastic. Some of them are hard to watch, though, you know. Oh, if you start with the first one, you're going to love it. I mean, uh, you know, I always say, you know, some sequels are better than the first, some, you know, you know are not. Uh, but they both hold up really well. But that that first one is really, really, really good. I mean, 
the acting is, you know, for being a, a couple of kids, it holds up today. So you can just imagine back then it was like, it was one of those independent movies that nobody expected to, you know, do well and it didn't you know, do box office, you know, blockbuster numbers or anything but it was you know good enough that it merited a sequel and it was so popular it became a cult hit i mean it has a huge cult following and um again i can uh, not recommend it enough but there's a lot of, a lot of movies like that and you don't see that as much anymore like phantasm remember those well, movies well when i was a kid i actually i didn't really get to watch that stuff when i was a kid my grandmother out here in the arkansas so i live out here in the sticks right so when i was a kid she put up a building like a little one of those little i guess pre-made brown shack type buildings and uh-huh. put in a, a movie store right <clears throat> and so when you drove down the street excuse me you'd see uh movies right videos so we had a white sign that said movies it was literally okay. a store out in the country you could just get uh, vhs from and i think I watched movies like Flight of the Navigator and Back to the Future, Labyrinth, stuff like that. Let me tell you, uh, Joe, uh, Flight of the Navigator, I saw it about, no, I'm not even kidding, it's funny you bring that up, I saw it about maybe two or three weeks ago. I love that movie. I still love that movie to this day. It's, uh, and it's amazing because that movie came out early 80s, and uh, when you watch it, not only does it, still you know hold up you know fantastically uh but when you start watching it and you listen to a lot of the people now talking about ufos and abductions and you know the way the crafts look inside and some of the technology and then you watch that movie you're like wait a second (laughs) yeah hold on here guys are we having a flight of the navigator flashback here is that what's going on yeah, yeah, man. Because there's missing time in that one, you know. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of stuff in that flick. That now that I think about it, no, not even that. The the overall technology, like the ship is an AI that's alive. How many times have we not heard that in ufology? The yeah, ship then, felt right. like it was alive. Right, right. And then Bob Lazar, when he was talking about the ship that he saw, he said, there "Right, were no, what did he say? There were no edges or something. It was all looked like it was all molded." That's how that mm-hmm. ship looked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how did the uh, technology there work? Remember? I think it worked on uh, it worked on telekinesis or something, right? Correct. Like have to use, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So either they got something or already knew something, or Bob Lazar made up the whole thing based on Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> that's, hey, with uh, the way we've been conned before, wouldn't that be epic if we realized that Bob Lazar's whole story came out of a, a wet dream he had after watching Flight of the Navigator as a teenager? Man, we need to inspect that movie a little bit more. I think you're onto something there. <laughs> I'm telling you, and it's funny because it's a kid's movie, but it's, it, it was so rich with, you know, information that, you know, as a researcher of ufology, I'm looking at it now and I'm like, oh my God, like, are you serious? Yeah, it's close. Like, Right, it, it's, it's so close. close. Yeah, to like everything that's, that we we talk about now, and, and it's a kids' movie. So of course it makes sense that you know people growing up after that movie are going to be like, yeah, I remember this or that, and then you get all match it to that one movie. Which, unless you're like a geek like I am, you know, you don't, you might not put this together 
unless you you know you're not a fan of that movie, you might not put that together, and you might be like, "Oh my God, he really went through that." Like, look, look at that. Like even well, the metal. He found the ditch. He had missing time. Um, we're talking about the ship, the curves, uh, the molding, uh, the telekinesis. Everything. Yeah, pretty trippy. Um, the speed. Yeah. No, no, everything. I mean, it, it, the the actual shape of the ship. It's shape of the ship. Look at that. Listen, try to say that five times real quick. Uh, but the yeah, go ahead. There you. Uh, shape of the ship. 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 Adam Schiff head. You're pretty good. <laughs> I do those exercises sometimes before shows. Actually, like so. I that you know, that's much better than what I could have delivered. Let me tell you. That's a soundbite of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got a thing. Uh, I got a thing where I, I wonder about that sometimes because you know, like The Simpsons has predicted the future. God knows mm-hmm. how many times. You know, yeah, how does that happen. No, the trippiest one is the uh, the election with Trump and when he's coming down the stairs. Yes, have you, yeah. have you seen? Dude, that freaked me out because a person had a sign in the the actual Simpsons episode. That he drops, and then when Trump was going down the stairs, which happened after the Simpsons episode, that happened. Yeah. On cue. There was a bunch of things <laughs> that happened on there. So, you know, earlier, I was telling you about magic, right? Specifically, chaos magic. Well, the, the, the theory goes that there is a theory out there that they're using chaos magic in shows like that. So if you get enough people focused on something, uh, then it becomes to life, uh, kind of like the Carl Jung collective unconscious. So if you've got millions of people watching a certain scene, uh, and there's some emotion that gets involved with it, then it becomes charged, so to speak. It's called a magic sigil, which sigil is just kind of short for sign, right? Mm. Um, but it's like a moving sigil, uh, animated sigil. And so then it becomes real. Now that's happened quite a bit, actually, if you think about it. You know, it's funny because Art, didn't Art do like a, an experiment like that a long time ago? I don't know if you're familiar with that part. That's when he was on Coast, uh, where he, you know, focused, uh, you know, like kind of like a group thought with him and his audience uh, to make it rain in a certain area. He had a drought. And then it happened. Yeah. And it freaked him. Yeah, and he made, <laughs> literally, he made it rain. And it freaked them out because it hadn't rained there in, like, I don't know how many months or years. And then all of a sudden, a plethora of rain happened. And uh, it literally it freaked them out because, I, you know, there, there's uh, the secret, which, uh, you know, they just told, told me, yeah, t- tell them about the secret. Yeah, the secret, I mean, you know, the power of awareness, the power of attraction, the laws of attraction. I mean, I do believe that, Joe, where, you know, if you focus on something enough and, you you know, you get enough people behind you focusing on that same thing you can attract an outcome that you want yes yeah you can and and if you can get emotion involved with it too in other words when they say you, you know you always hear new age people say visualize this right right well visualize doesn't necessarily mean see it in your mind's eye uh, it also means, you know, like feel the rain, smell the rain, feel your feet Correct. in the mud puddle. Um, and there are people like that can't. And see, I just learned this too, Angel. There are people that that can't actually visualize something. 
So, like, if I tell you to think about a pink elephant, you'll see it in your mind, right? You should. You should be able mm-hmm. to. Right. But there are right. people that can't do that. They can't, literally can't see it in their mind's eye. I would say those are the most close-minded individuals you're going to find, though, in any given conversation. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, and, 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 you know, we laugh and it's, uh, you know, it's meant to oh, be a true. joke, but in reality, it's the truth. When you, when you deal with, you know, enough people in your daily life, and I've been dealing with people in retail, on the radio, uh, in conventions, you know, on one-on-one in person, and, uh, you know, when you, when you deal with enough close-minded individuals, you start noticing that these are people that, you know, are just like that. And there's no, there's no way getting around that. There's no way to be able to, to I guess, breach their consciousness and, and open their, you know, expand their minds to the possibilities of, hey, things might be different, you know, than, than what we're being fed or told or what we knew. And that's conditioning more than anything else. Yeah, that's, you're right about that, actually. And the funny thing is, I'm looking at some, uh, some of our listeners, they're asking about call-in lines and stuff. I don't know, guys. We'll see, but, um. I always, uh, ask if, uh, if you're, uh, interested in taking any calls. Yeah, we, we do have a way to get, get a hold of us if you want to call in and, and ask anything by all means. You can look us up on Skype at, uh, Soup Media Network or PSN Radio and, uh, you get Skype right in. If you want to call in on an actual phone line, we have, uh, and I'm not 100% of it's uh, working because Skype has been updating, uh, as you know, and uh, it's been doing uh, crazy updates the last couple of days. Uh, and, yeah. uh, but you could try to call in 786-245-8127. Uh, I think it works now. I think all you got to do is just hit add. But, you know, they dropped yeah. in a thing in here, too, that says um, the 18 times the Simpsons predicted the future. 18 different times. Like, nailed it. Uh, <clears throat> well, like, the number one was the Three-Eyed Fish, season two, episode four. Do you remember right. the Three-Eyed Fish? Yeah. Um, the censorship of Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of the biggest one. Letter from the Beatles. See, that stuff is so specific, though, Angel. That's what scares me. It's not like it would be... Uh, a random thing, you know? It right. would be, it's just too specific. Okay, like Siegfried and Roy Tiger Attack. Come on. That yeah, we saw, well, well, you can kind of see that coming, though. I mean, at some point, the tiger's gonna attack. It's just, a, you know, tiger, that's like what they do, you know? And, and if I'm a tiger and somebody keeps whipping me at some point, I'll be like, rawr. I'm gonna try to just, you know, get you away from me, and if your face is right in my claw, you know, I'm sorry, but it's your fault, not mine. I'm a tiger. That's my nature. You know? It's hard to watch them, too, at the circus, and they're whipping them. I'm like, man, you you didn't even give them a safe word. You're gonna piss them off. And not only that, I mean, and let's be real, Joe. How many, many of us that sat there at one point and then been like, man, I hope that tiger just rips his head off. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, sometimes you do wonder, like, I, I wouldn't be mad if it did. I can't stand, honestly, bro, I can't stand to watch animals get whipped or beat. Sorry. Even if you're taming them. Even if you're trying to scare them. I just, I don't like it. No, no, I'm 100% with you. I mean, I'm I'm not an activist, per se. 
but I mean that's one of the things I really dislike about the human nature is how we, you know, we think that these animals are so brainless. That, yeah, we could whip them, train them, and make them do whatever we want. Uh, you know, just because we don't speak their language doesn't mean that they don't do their own thing and we shouldn't respect whatever their natural way of life is. So when I, I mean, even when I was a kid, I hated going to the circus. My, my father and mother loved the circus. They were telling me they were in town. They were like, let's go to the circus. And I'd always be like, I hope we don't have a Batman and Robin moment because I would be, you know, kind of like in the animal's favor. If something broke out, <laughs> but I don't want to be like Robin and have my parents killed by animals either, or some crazy thing happens. Right, the elephants that scare me, man. But so I, I mean, that's a joke. But I mean, I would hate going to the circus because I would get there and I'm like, yeah, the elephants get whipped, the tigers, and I love animals, but I don't want to see them in this environment. I love going to the zoo, and I think that yeah. you know, like down here in Miami, we have the Metro Zoo which I think it's an amazing institution that deals with not just having beautiful animals for display, but they, you know, bring animals in there that are sick. They do a lot of great work uh, to, like, help uh, repopulate, you know, certain uh, species that are, you know, going extinct. I mean, they do great work for the the actual animals. They saved the panda, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're part of doing that. Uh, you know, so when it's, you know, something like that, I, I fully support that. And I, and, and those institutions are great because they do great work per the animals. But I hated going to the circus. Uh, you know, that stuff just to me, it was like a nightmare. Like they did the, uh, the Bardem and Bailey, uh, movie recently or a couple of years ago. And I'm like, that's like a horror movie. I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Seriously. I mean, once you see in the, you know two-hour movie of animals getting whipped, that's like a snuff movie. <laughs> it's bad, right? You know, yeah. it's, it's bad. It's it's bound to happen sooner or later. I've watched that animals attack one too, man. The when the tiger attacked, God, oh, it's, was beautiful. It's, like, it's beautiful. No, it's beautiful little movie. When the lion attacked the photographer, and the guy got ate alive in front of his family. Now, oh. I feel bad for his family and his kids yeah. watching their father get ripped apart. But this moron, like, got as close as he could out in nature, in the wild, with a camera. And his wife was beckoning him back, you know, like, don't you know, don't go any further. And you could see the way the lion was looking at him, like, are you serious? You know? <laughs> like, you really going to walk over here? <laughs> right? And so they ripped him apart. And you know what the family did and the other photographers? They were waving towels and shirts. That's what they tried to do to get them to stop, waving towels and shirts. And didn't get in the car, didn't honk the horn, didn't run them over. Let's just stand out here and yell and wave shirts. You think that's really going to stop them? That's pretty As good. As he's becoming lunch. That's Yeah, I mean, and he got ripped apart, man, like by three lines. It was the first line. Yeah, there's like three of them. Did they put those lions to sleep, by the way? I mean, because that normally happens when something like that happens. No, this was out in the wild. I don't remember. I don't think they did. No, because, no, I don't remember seeing that part. Like, this was in Africa or something. Ah, yeah, they probably didn't. Yeah. But, I mean, it's in the wild. What do you expect? These are wild beasts. These are animals 
They're, that's their nature. I mean, I don't, I, I don't understand this, uh, you know, idiotic mindset that, that human beings have that, uh, you know, we can go to, uh, to their domain and, you know, they have to, they add will to us because we're smart, we're humans. No, you know, when you go into the wild, you're stepping on their domain. That's their turf. You gotta be a, a complete lobotomy needing moron to be able to, to do something like that. So, well, again, it's sad for his family. I mean, can you blame the animals? I can't. No, man, they're out in the wild. They're yeah. hungry. Exactly. They're hungry. It's meat. You're going to get close to them. Uh, you're done. You're done for. I think it's funny. When I was a kid, we used to swim in the Hurricane Creek, right, because I live in a little place called Cane, Cane Creek, and there was a tree that was laid down in the creek, and we'd have a rope swing and stuff. And so every, Sounds like a horror movie coming to life already, Can Creek. Oh, yeah, man. If you come out here, trust me, it looks like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre for real in a lot of places. But uh, there was a tree laid down in the creek, and, you know, you could see the roots breaking breaking out underwater. And there's a snake bed at the end of that tree, you know, cottonmouth, water moccasin, whatever you want to call them. And I remember when we was a kid, we would swim in it anyways, you know, because um, – People would say, oh, there's snakes. They can't bite you underwater. And uh, <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. Yeah, they can get you underwater. But oh, yeah. we wouldn't go over there. We wouldn't mess with them. And as long as we I, – I can't believe I'm alive, Angel. Actually, some of the stupid stuff I did. But as long as we you know, went off the rope swing and just stayed far enough away from them, we'd be okay. And some people wouldn't get in, but we just learned to adapt to it. But it was stupid, man. I wouldn't blame the snake if they had bit me. No, no. You know, this is why I stay away from swimming in rivers and in uh, dangerous places because I, I, you know, I know my place in life. You know, I know where I stand. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know where I'm going. Yeah, in, in, in Miami, we have swamps, drained swamp, right? We have swamps, alligators. I don't go towards dangerous animals. It's like when you're talking about the lion. The lion's like, what, did Christmas come early? Are you serious? Like, <laughs> I can imagine the mindset of the lion. Like, well, wait, the food's coming to me? How did I win the lottery here? Like, what's what's the da- most dangerous thing you guys have in uh, Miami, out there, South Florida? Uh, well, uh, because, uh, besides Democrats. Lots and lots besides Democrats. <laughs> You got, I mean, you got, uh, lots South of them. Florida. You got what now? Lots of Democrats. It's very Democrat. sad. No, I mean <laughs> animals, man. Like wild animals. You know, uh, there's a lot of alligators, uh, crocodiles down here, but it, it's funny because, uh, for a while there was, uh, a big popularity with, uh, pythons and snakes. Funny enough that you bring that up. And uh, a lot of people had reptiles, and, and snakes were very popular. And then something happened, you know, a couple of years down the road after the popularity, like kind of started waving, uh, where people were like, I guess, tired of dealing with these animals. So they started releasing them into the, into the wild. Just uh, they didn't think anything of it. Now, what happened was some of them were not indigenous to Miami, and they came from like Australia. They were exotic from other parts of the world. And that caused a big problem down here. So we had like this growth of uh, exotic animals, of exotic snakes, which weren't here 10 years before. And that caused a big problem with uh, the ecology of, you know, the natural animals down here. And now there's a big boom on like 
garden snakes and all kinds of you know different things but the most that really has been an issue over the years really is the the amount of alligators and stuff like that at least you know in certain parts of uh, of south florida there's now you know florida and miami especially down south has become such a big city that it really is not a, as big a problem anymore and the metro zoo has a lot to do with that it really did because they went out and in the homestead area is, you know especially after 92 let me tell you joe and andrew hit oh my god you couldn't drive down the road without seeing some kind of a weird animal just walking by and uh, the zoo really, you know, stepped in and they cleaned up a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, they're responsible for really us not having it as big of issues with that. But if you go to, like, Okeechobee or anywhere there's huge lakes, you know, you're going to encounter crocodiles, alligators, snakes, all kinds of, like, reptilian uh, animals. I, I, You know, I see iguanas that are really exotic-looking all the time running up and down trees, which I never saw as a kid. I remember I, I've been here for a long time in South Florida, and I don't remember ever seeing these kind of exotic-looking animals. And that comes with what happened, you know, years ago, where, again, people were just bringing in all these exotic animals, and now they're, you know, their kids and kids and kids of these animals are up in the wild. And it, it's kind of interesting because you're seeing all these new breeds just popping out everywhere, but it's not as bad as it was in the 70s and 80s, um, you know, just because of the natural progression and the evolution of the area down here. But I'm sure there's a lot of areas a little bit further north of where I'm at where it's still very swampy. And those areas, yeah, those areas, yeah. The swamp, man, that's where a lot of those animals, you know, are in. And there's a funny story. I had a brother-in-law uh, years ago. They're divorced since, uh, guys. Uh, but this brother-in-law, he used to uh, go uh, crocodile hunting. And uh, it's illegal to do that, so I'm not you know, mentioning any names. Uh, but crocodile meat, which I've never tasted, but uh, supposedly people love eating it. That's, and that's he, not bad. I got a story down from uh, next to me that sells it. No, yeah, well, there you go. Down here is taboo. You know, nobody wants to touch it. Uh, but he would, uh, you know, go and actually hunt crocodiles and cut the meats and stuff and bring it back. And he made dinner and, you know, a bunch of times. And he would be like, come on over. I just killed a crocodile. And I'm like, ah, that's uh, okay. I'll pass. I'll go to Taco Bell or something where I don't know what the hell they're feeding me. You know, it'll be one of those. Uh, but, I mean, that's uh, almost a sport down here in the underground, which is kind of funny. I think somebody uh, might be trying to join us. Hello? Yeah, uh, 978, you're live on the show. How's it going? It's um, Derek, the uh, night stalker. What's going on, you guys? Oh, Hey, Derek, how you doing, buddy? Hey, great show. Um, Thank you. I just have a, I have a quick uh, question for Joe. Um, it popped in my head, uh, and he's the person I would want to ask. Um, I live in Massachusetts, and uh, like 20-ish minutes from Salem, and they're building like a giant Ouija board in the, like the Salem like town common or whatever. Giant, like the uh, size of like a football field or a basketball court or something. And I was wondering, I've never messed around with Ouija boards, so I want to go down there tomorrow and maybe take some video of it and stuff. Do you think that's a bad idea? Like, there's a lot of people who say that Ouija boards are dangerous. Do you think a giant one in the middle of a town 
would be dangerous to go to, and should I stay away, or is it safe? Well, I don't know. I don't think Joe's on the line. Some, uh, Skype has been doing this where uh, people call in, and uh, I don't know how exactly. I, I didn't even accept the call automatically, but Skype put him on hold. But I can tell you from first uh, hand experience, don't do that. Don't go. It's, don't yeah. Don't just stay away from Ouija boards. Uh, that's okay. uh, I mean, look, you're you don't know what you're going to encounter. Um, yeah. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. And just stay on the line. Don't hang up. I'm going to bring uh, Joe back on the line here in a second. Uh, and he'll answer also your question. But personally, myself, I had a, you know, a couple of experiences as a kid with the Ouija boards. And it's not fun. Let me tell you. Uh, you're, you're opening yourself up to any kind of, uh, you know, craziness when you do that. Uh, so I don't recommend it personally. Uh, let me see if I can get Joe back on the line here to join the conversation. Joe, are you there? Let's see if you can join us. I don't know why Skype has been doing this, but uh, Joe, you're in line with us. I got the boot. Yeah, I'm back though. Yeah, there we go. Oh, got you in the call. Yeah, there we go. Sorry about that, uh, Joe. Uh, Skype, like I said, has been doing the updates, and it does that once in a while where it gets the caller. But for whatever reason, it puts the other person on on hold. But we got you on the line. Uh, now ask Joe the question because I already gave you my answer. I would stay away, but Joe, listen to this. Uh, th- right. give him your perspective. Right. Hey, Joe, uh, it's a nice talker. Um, What's up? I'm from Mass. What's going on? Uh, I'm from Mass, and um, Salem is, um, I'm like 25 minutes away from Salem, probably, and uh, they're building a giant Ouija board in, like, their town common or whatever. Um, they're building it wow. today and should be ready tomorrow. So I was thinking about maybe driving over and checking it out and maybe taking some video and stuff, but uh, do you think that's dangerous? I've never used a Ouija board before, and people say it, it could be dangerous. So do you think I should stay away, or is it harmless to drive down? No, I mean, I, look, Ouija boards are dangerous in my mind to anybody that isn't yep. of a sound mind or knows what they're doing. But if you go out there and you just want to, like, hang out and take pictures of it and not participate, yep. I think you'll be fine. Cool. Well, I'm going to do it. All right. Uh, but I, I, I have a curious thought. nature, though. I would probably participate just to see what I mean, happens. It, it depends. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how you know close you are to what's happening there. Because again, you never know what might be going on. Look, uh, yeah. I, like I said, I had a personal experience with Ouija boards as a kid. Freaked me out. I've lived and I've cut, I've covered this on the show before in a house that had uh, legit haunting as a kid. I've been through that experience. It's frightening unless you're prepared for something maybe following you home. You know, yeah. it, sometimes you might go there, take some pictures, nothing happens, and it's a big nothing. Yeah. Or as we like to say now in the news, it's a nothing burger. Uh, but sometimes yeah. stuff happens, and uh, you got to be very careful on those things. So I don't recommend yeah. it, like, you know, myself. But hey, Joe, you're you're a little bit more into this than I am. Yeah. No, you just you know, I'm a- make. Make sure you banish before you get out of there, you know, get the stuff off yeah. of you. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's basically my philosophy towards magic, like, in general. I'm a, I, I'm a fan of it intellectually, but, like, mm. um, as far as, like, the actual practice, I feel like I'm just so unlucky in my life that I don't want to rock the boat or play with fire if I don't completely understand it. So it's kind of just the same uh. way. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to, like, I'm already kind of teetering on the edge of, like, failure. I don't want to. Give it, give myself any kind of extra push, you know, by yeah. next to a Ouija board or anything, you know. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. It's actually better safe than sorry. 
Yeah. Last thing you want to do is, last thing, look, last thing you want to do is get home and uh, have a welcome sign by some demon. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. It's like, I'll let you guys go. Great show. Thank you. Thank Bye. you, buddy. Thank you for Thanks. calling. I appreciate it. Great call. Yeah, you know, uh, Joe, um, Hopefully you're still there. Hopefully, yes, Captain. No, yeah, I'm here, man. It's just yeah, mind good. tricks again. Uh, no, but you know, it's funny. It, you know, it's stuff like that that really, uh, you know, freaks me out because I've been through that myself and I don't deal with Ouija boards for that particular reason. Uh, because I, you know, I've not only experienced it firsthand, but I did live in a place that had that issue where, uh, there was a legit, uh, haunting. I mean, there's, some, there's no other way to describe it. I saw things move, uh, that weren't supposed to be moving, at, you know, by themselves. And I saw, uh, you know, things appear from one side of the room to another. I, I would hate to describe it because it, it's one of the things, uh, that happened when I was a kid. And you can say, well, maybe it was just, you know, a kid thing. And uh, now when you do a lot of research into the paranormal and the ghostly activity, you know, over the years I've, I've you know, learned that kids actually have uh, this thing where they attract paranormal activity. And this just so happened to happen when I was a kid living in this house here in Florida. In fact, I, it's funny, I talked about this with Paul Dale Roberts, uh, where, you know, I want him to go out and investigate because to me it was just me. This, there's definitely something there. I mean, this place used to be a funeral home in the 50s and 60s until the 70s. Uh, right next to it was another uh, little house, and that little house had the actual, uh, you know, fire where they would cremate bodies or the uh, urn where they would cremate the bodies that was taken there. They weren't being buried. Uh, a block away, they had a church where they, you know, the people would meet there to, uh, you know, say their last, uh, Final thoughts on the, on the person in the past. So, I mean, this is all located in one block radius here in, in Miami. And I saw things that freaked me out as a kid to the point that we left there, you know, real suddenly. It was like one of those things where a few months passed, it got to be a little too much. And, uh, you know, we picked up and left because, again, it, it was scary stuff. So... You know, I'm, I'm iffy on those kind of, uh, those kind of things. And, uh, you know, anytime somebody tells me, yeah, come on over, we got a Ouija board. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch reruns of Seinfeld instead. <laughs> yeah, well, Ouija boards are, you know, uh, to show about nothing. Know, it's time, better than yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> To me, it's like what people don't understand. I mean, you'd really have to read some old grimoires to understand this. And grimoires are just like, really old uh, magic manuscripts, right? And these spirits that you think you're talking to, you don't know that you're talking to them. There's no way to verify it. I mean, not really, not on a Ouija board. Uh, so it could be uh, a demon or just a elemental or you don't know what it is talking to you. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I've heard radio shows that say, well, well we're going to invoke Art Bell with it. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. You know, so you don't know that's Art Bell. You can't verify that. Right. Um, it, it could just be anything messing with you in that realm. That's exactly it. I mean, yeah, you don't know what you're opening yourself up to. It could be anything. 
Uh, it could be a demon, it could be a poltergeist, it could be your own imagination. I mean, you could just scare yourself so badly that you start imagining things are happening when they're not happening. It could be a number of things. Uh, but, again, why put yourself through that torture? I mean, why do it? It's bad yeah. enough we have we have to deal with life as it is, right? Yeah, I mean, it's much easier to go find <laughs> a chicken, cut the head off of it, and ask for forgiveness. That's what I do. Dude, well, you could do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't do that. Uh, speaking no, of uh, cutting heads uh, and chickens, uh, you know there was, uh, you know, and going back to movies for a second here. Have you seen uh, the uh, the remake of Couch Play? No, but I want to. It looks pretty rad, actually. I'd love to see it. Now, re- remember the original had to do with you know black magic. He transfers his soul to the to the doll because he's trying to get away from the police. Um, uh, if you haven't seen the new one, it does not have the same context to it. Uh, this one's, I don't know if you know, I don't want to spoil it for you since you want to see it, but I don't know how much you know of the storyline, but it's not dealing with that subject, which is kind of uh, weird that they went away from that. But it's funny, you know, the older 80s movies were more open to that kind of like subject. Like, uh, um, to, there was one with Stephen King about the uh, people under the rainbow, or people under the stairs. Uh, which was really dark. Uh, the Serpent and the Rainbow is what I'm thinking of also, uh, which dealt with the occult. What do you think that Hollywood doesn't deal with that as much anymore? Now they're kind of like, you know, kind of flipping it where they don't want to like deal with those subjects. Well, it's Hollywood has been doing that for a while. They've been kind of hiding it in there, but it's more more like Netflix now. You know, if you look at Sabrina the Teenage Witch and some other shows that they have on there, the usually they'll hint around black magic like the most mm. that you would ever see is a pentagram or an upside down pentagram and and that would trigger somebody thinking about oh that's black magic right but now if you watch like sabrina the teenage witch the new one on netflix there's actually the sigils there's very very accurate old solomonic grimoire sigils in there and statues mm. of baphomet and stuff so it's getting like uh more and more accurate you know, and that gets a little dangerous too, because if you got enough people focused on these sigils, you don't know what's going to happen, especially if emotions get involved. And any magician will tell you that that I don't know what'll happen based on what everybody's doing. And so, right. literally, what these, what these people can do is they can write uh, a movie or something and plan a sigil in there, and uh, just say, well. We're going to implant it in there, and then there, we know everybody's going to look at it, charge it, and get their way. And you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know you're a part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, very true. And now, this is not the same Sabrina with uh, Melissa. What was her face from the original ABC series? No, no. Well, no, no. it's the same. Is that, who, is that who played Sabrina in the old one? This is the same show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um but is but it the same like actress a new, or a different like version no, it's of? Brand, totally new, yeah, all brand okay. new. Yeah, it's like uh, the new Roswell, like a new take right. on the old series, but updated. And uh, I gotta be honest with you, um, I watch it. It it gets my attention. I like it. I watch it. That's cool, but but it's it's more serious than the, the last one. And for a long time, Hollywood had that issue where it was they treated it like a joke, and it really isn't. I mean. 
You know, this stuff, I mean, it, whether you believe in it or not, it's, uh, it's meant to be dark for a reason. It's meant to be dark magic for a reason. So anybody uh, who's thinking about doing Ouija board stuff, uh, number one rule, by the way, don't do it by yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah don't, unless you're me. I do it by myself, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but you gotta, but I mean, I'm just, this stuff is not, this is heady stuff, man. I tell my audience that too. It's not something to go play with, right? There's a basic way to learn this stuff. And if you, you don't want to learn it, don't mess with it. You don't have to play with magic to manifest things in your life. If that's what you want to do, you really don't. Yeah. Now, uh, how, how big of a believer are you on, uh, you know, not magic, but, uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, time travel and other forms of paranormal and, uh, you know, let's, you know, segue a little bit before we have the, uh, the end of the show here in a few, but, I mean, other sorts of paranormal activity that we are, you know, possibly mistaken as magic, maybe something that is dealing with all the dimensions. I mean, have you delved into that in your, in your show? Yeah, I think for sure. I think a lot of, uh, ghost activity uh even sometimes poltergeist activity or um visions people see things like orbs and stuff like that i think a lot of that could be explained i think a lot of that could be explained by out-of-body travelers because we all mm. travel uh, out of our body when we sleep and right. i know that sounds wild that. but actually no, i believe that, that yeah. uh and then we do kind of phase through this physical you know physical realm right we phase through it a little bit and i think we catch glimpses of that sometimes um as far as the hauntings and uh stuff like that goes i don't i don't know uh i can't explain all that so here's the thing cryptids oh i'm really skeptic about bigfoot cryptids mm -hmm. mothman you know i'm skeptic about but paranormal activity i am not i believe it's totally real i'm with you uh Cryptics, uh, like Bigfoot, yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not 100% sold on Bigfoot myself. Um, the, the thing is, there's been too many hoaxing over the years, Joe, mm -hmm. with Bigfoot. And, uh, you know, I've had Bigfoot experts on, I'm like, how can you be an expert on something that literally there's no evidence at all for? I mean, at least with aliens, UFOs, there's a plethora of data we can, like, pinpoint to. But, like, every single time there's been a, a Bigfoot mention, it's easily debunked. It, it's uh, a complete hoax. Uh, like, yeah, the guys with the Bigfoot in the freezer not long ago. Uh, you know, it's just, it's always been nonsense, one after the other. And I'm not saying ufology is uh, perfect, uh, because we've had our fair share of hoaxing. But there's so much, uh, you know, stuff out there where, you know, even, you know, the governments are saying, well, yeah, this is legit data, you know, our military are seeing these things. Uh, you know, they're, they've been seen over nuclear test, uh, you know, facilities. The president said he was briefed on it. You know, we're, we're getting legit things out of, you know, resources and, and places that are, um, you know, credible. Bigfoot's always like, you know, this, this guy, yeah, I kind of saw when I was hunting and, you know, there might have been some moonshine involved, and maybe not, who knows. Uh, but, you know, it's always, you know, uh, it's very hokey. That's the best way I can describe it. Tell everybody how they can catch your show, because we didn't really promote you enough, uh, you know, and it's, uh, as far as links are concerned. And, uh, oh, you know, 
Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll on, let you do uh, that. Five, five nights a week. It's at 9 p.m. Pacific to midnight on uh, The Fringe FM, and that's just thefringe.fm. But my show's called uh, Lighting the Void. And it's just, mm-hmm. uh, you'll see the Fringe FM logo. It's just black and silver. If you, on any app, talk stream live, Fringe FM app, whatever. <laughs> Joe, uh, it's been a, uh, awesome having you on the show here, man. We have to do this again real soon. And I uh, get you back on and then uh, continue the conversation. That's the look on the show, man. I, I listen to as much as possible. And again, it's Monday through Fridays. And, uh, you know, that's dedication, folks. Yeah, it's dedication, man. And uh, y'all enjoy that blood moon tonight. Right? Go out and give it a look. There you go. Thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. Guys, uh, that was uh, Joe Roop. Again, uh, check out his show, Fantastic uh, Show, every week, uh, again, Monday through Friday. And uh, I wanted to uh, also tell the audience, uh, you know, uh, before I go off here, I want to uh, give... A uh, very special shout out to uh, a good friend of ours here on the network, uh, who's uh, been a listener for a long time, and uh, uh, somebody who uh, actually it goes back to the Bill and Nancy Burns days. Remember those days, Future Theater? Remember that era? The great Bill and Nancy Burns. Man, I miss those uh, those two. Uh, but uh, I wanted to uh, really uh, just. Uh, Take this moment to uh, kind of like this person a shout out. I just started a uh, podcast, and uh, it's uh, a fabulous uh, podcast. Kaiser uh, is uh, a person who some of you might remember. We did a show uh, with uh, PTSD a uh, long time ago. Uh, Kaiser Schuf, uh is the uh, gentleman's name, and uh, big big shout outs to him. Uh, I. I do believe I'm on, you know, I don't know if it's on there now, but it'll be linked up definitely, uh, shortly on our website. I'm going to post some of the stuff on uh, the page so you guys can check out his, uh, his show. Um, I think if you go to, I want to say shuffstuff9.blogspot.com, you can check out his podcast, uh, on there. Uh, that's his, uh, uh, blog spot page. Uh, so again, it's, uh, s-h-u-f-f-s-t-u-f-f-9.blogspot.com. Uh, Kaiser Schuff, uh, really good guy, and, uh, hopefully he can be live with us, uh, on a future show. That's all we have, uh, for tonight, guys. This is, uh, Inside the Jackal's Head. Uh, again, Joe Roop, great guest. I want to have him back on really soon before the end of the year. So we can, we can continue the conversation. Fantastic, uh, guest. And if you guys missed the show, go to my website, angelespino.com. It'll be posted there live within, uh, a few minutes, uh, maybe 20, 30 minutes tops. I usually post this stuff up uh, pretty quickly. So, uh, check that out. It'll be live on the website again, angelespino.com. I'm live every week on the show here on Sunday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, again, if you guys missed it this week live, if you're just catching up from the tweets that I put out there or the Facebook, uh, friend request that I sent out with the advertising, uh, please bookmark the website, 
come back every week and uh, catch me live. Uh, Joe Roop, great guest. Uh, we're going to have a fun uh, month this month. Uh, in fact, the next couple of months is going to be a whole lot of uh, really good talk with a lot of interesting individuals. Before I take a little break and I have my surgery, which I uh, have spoken about here on the show, uh, which I'm not looking forward to. Next uh, live uh, will be with Dave Emmons. That's uh, on the 20th, coming up next Sunday. Uh, that's going to be a, a very interesting show, talking about abductions. And then we have Mark Brinkerhoff uh, at the end of the month on October 27. Mark Brinkerhoff uh, also uh, somebody you guys really want to bookmark and check out. Interesting guest, guys. Thanks again for listening in to Inside the Jackal's Head on PSN Radio. With that said, I bid you all good evening, good night, and wherever you may be, stay safe. Away from Ouija boards and away from any harm. Keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, and keep looking to the stars. Take care, everybody. Good night. <laughs>